ಶ್ರೀಗಣೇಶಾ ನಮ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಸರಸ್ವತ್ಯೈ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹಲೋ ಲಿಸ್ನರ್ಸ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ರವಿ ರಂಗನಾಥನ್ ವೆಲ್ಕಮಿಂಗ್ ಯು ಟು ದ ಥರ್ಡ್ ಎಪಿಸೋಡ್ ಆಫ್ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತಾ ಯಹಾ ಪಶ್ಯತಿ ಸ ಪಶ್ಯತಿ ಇನ್ ದ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ಎಪಿಸೋಡ್ ಐ ಎಮ್ ಮೆನ್ಷನ್ಡ್ ಎ ಸ್ಟ್ರೀಮಿಂಗ್ ಡಿವೈಸ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ದ ಕುರುಕ್ಷೇತ್ರ ಬ್ಯಾಟಲ್ ಫೀಲ್ಡ್ ಟು ದ ಪ್ಯಾಲಸ್ ಹೌ ಡಿಡ್ ದಟ್ ಹ್ಯಾಪನ್ ಹೂ ಸ್ಟ್ರೀಮ್ಡ್ ವಾಟ್ ಟು ಹೂಮ್ ಲೆಟ್ಸ್ ಟೇಕ್ ಅ ಲುಕ್ ಅಟ್ ದಟ್ ಆನ್ ದ ಈವ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಗುರುಕ್ಷೇತ್ರ ವಾರ್ ಕಿಂಗ್ ಧೃದರಾಷ್ಟ್ರ ವಾಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಎ ಹ್ಯಾಪಿ ಮ್ಯಾನ್ ದೋ ಹಿಸ್ ಹಾರ್ಟ್ ವಾಸ್ ಪಿಚಿಂಗ್ ಫಾರ್ ಹಿಸ್ ಸನ್ಸ್ ಹಿಸ್ ಮೈಂಡ್ ವಾಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಶೂರ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ದೇರ್ ವಿನ್ ಹಿ ನ್ಯೂ ದ ಡಿಸ್ಟ್ರಕ್ಷನ್ ದ ವಾರ್ ವುಡ್ ಬ್ರಿಂಗ್ ಬಟ್ he did not have the strength and courage to rule against duryodhana blood was thicker than the right action sick at heart he refused to travel to gurukshetra to witness the war at close quarters it is not that there was a balcony for him to sit and watch and he was blind anyway so he preferred the comfort of the palace to torture his mind seeing his situation veda vyasa offered a divine eyesight to the blind king to see what's going on in the far off battlefield dhridrashtra declines that offer saying that he did not want to watch the killings in the battlefield but would like to hear what's going on so vyasa gives the extraordinary power to minister sanjaya not only to see what's happening in the battlefield but also to see whatever happened openly or secretly during the day or the night he could even hear the thoughts in the mind of others in essence he was given the entire frequency spectrum to track what was going on in the battlefield vyasa also gives a promise to the blind king that he will spread the fame of pandavas and the kauravas fulfilling that promise he gave vijaya the original name for mahabharata this gift of long distance viewing and hearing to sanjaya was the first known doordarshan that is television broadcast reception in the history of humankind the epic war starts there is heavy loss on both sides finally on the 10th day of the war keeping shikanti in front of him arjuna attacks bhishma shikanti is a transgender bhishma refuses to fight with shikanti who was born a woman with arrow sticking all over his body finally he falls from his chariot onto the ground his body does not touch the ground instead he is laying on a bed of arrows both armies stop the war and everyone comes rushing towards bhishma to attend to him sanjaya rushes back from the battlefield to the palace and informs the blind king dhridrashtra that bhishma has fallen brought down by the joint task force shikanti and arjuna dhridrashtra was shocked and at the same time puzzled he had so many questions to ask he wanted to know what exactly happened on the battlefield he especially wanted to know everything about bhishma who protected him from the front who protected him from behind who protected him on his left side and who was on his right side who surrounded him did the kauravas leave bhishma alone to fight how did arjuna kill him why did the powerful kauravas army did not win the pandavas and so many more questions the list of questions and the description by dhridrashtra about bhishma goes on and on for seven pages in response to the king's questions sanjaya begins to narrate the details of the battlefield he starts the description from the evening before the first day of the war duryodhana gives specific instructions to his brother durchasana to protect bhishma 
out of the 11 divisions of Kauravas army, one full division was assigned for protecting Bhishma. Their job is only to protect Bhishma. The next day, early morning, various kings and their armies, cheerleaders, all starts assembling in Gurukshetra. Sanjaya gives a detailed description of the battlefield, description of various decorated chariots, horses, soldiers, leaders, who is guarding whom, and makes a remark that Duryodhana's army size is 11 Akshakhinis. At this point, Dhritarashtra interjects and asks, against such a big army, how did Yudhishthira arrange his small, insignificant army? Sanjaya narrates the command Yudhishthira gave Arjuna about the formation of their smaller army in the form of a needle and Arjuna responding that he will form that strong formation and Bhima will lead their army from the front and others will support him. Then there is the description of who is standing behind whom, who is positioned to support whom, etc. All this happens before the sunrise. Dhridrashtra then asks Sanjaya which side seems to be more enthusiastic. Sanjaya gives another long description. The Pandavas were facing east and the Kauravas were facing west. There was a lot of dust kicked up by the millions of soldiers. There was a cool breeze that came from behind the Pandavas army. Duryodhana is riding an elephant. Upon seeing the huge army of Duryodhana, Yudhishthira is overcome with the sorrow and wonders how they can win against Bhishma's army. Arjuna comforts his brother and says he is going to tell him how a small army can win a huge army. He says strength and prowess cannot win truth and only dharma will win. O king, where there is dharma, there is victory and we are going to win. Do not worry. In this way, Arjuna comforts Yudhishthira and all of them move to their positions. At this time, Krishna asked Arjuna to recite the Durga Stostra. Arjuna jumps down from his chariot, folds his palms and recites the Durga Stotram and prays to Goddess Durga. Dhridrashtra once again interjects and asks many more questions. Which side seems to be happy? From whose army the fragrance of flowers is coming? What is the mood on the battlefield? etc. Sanjaya says, flower garlands are there on both sides and good fragrance is emanating from both sides. The sounds of conches and the sounds from different types of instruments are heard. The warriors and the elephants are all happy, ready to fight. Dhridrashtra once again cuts in, asks a question and with this question, Bhagavad Gita starts. Dhridrashtra says, Dharma Kshetre Guru Kshetre Samaveda Yuyutsavaha Mamaka Pandavas Chaiva Desirous of fighting, what did my people and the sons of Pandu do when they assembled together on Gurukshetra, the holy place of righteousness? This is the only verse in the 700 verses given to Dhridrashtra. A blind king starting Bhagavad Gita symbolically indicates that we are all currently living the life of a blind person and we are listening to Bhagavad Gita blindly. We start learning Bhagavad Gita in a blind state and when we study, understand completely and live by it, then we get our true vision. In such a life, any place of conflict is seen as a place 
where dharma can be established anyone who understands this that person understands yaha pashyati sa pashyati in response to the king's question sanjaya begins his description of the battlefield first duryodhana approaches his guru drona and addresses him sarcastically he says what he expects from his guru look o teacher this huge army of the sons of pandu arrayed by the son of drupata your own wise disciple you have trained them and they are standing against you and now it is your duty to defeat them and win this war for me though drona trained gauravas and pandavas in warfare by birth he was a brahmin whose traditional role is advising the king and not lifting weapons to fight duryodhana seems to inject a sense of guilt into drona and demands to bring out all his intelligence to win the war next duryodhana lists the leaders in the pandava side as maharataha great chariot warriors the 11 warriors in addition to bhima and arjuna whose names duryodhana specifically mentions are yuyudana kinga virata drupata drishtaketu chekitana kashiraja purjit kuntiboja saibya yudamanyu and uttamosjas the six warriors he refers indirectly are abhimanyu the son of subhadra and the five sons of draupadi for duryodhana bhima and arjuna are the gold standard everyone else is calibrated against these two warriors one glaring omission from this list is yudhishthira the eldest of the pandavas duryodhana is not mentioning his counterpart by name either because he was so much in contempt and disrespect for him or he does not believe that yudhishthira is good in warfare in comparison to others or because of yudhishthira's claim to the kingdom or all of them duryodhana continuing his address list warriors on his own side yourself and bhishma and karna and kripa ashwatthama and vikarna also son of somadatta and many other heroes who are determined to give up their lives for my sake though each one had their own reasons for fighting on his side duryodhana is declaring that everyone is giving their lives for him he does not mind everyone dying as long as he can remind the king next with an interesting choice of a word he implies that the pandavas army size is bigger than his own army size though it is the other way aparyaptam tatasmakam balam bhishma birakshitam paryaptam tvidamedesham balam bhima birakshitam bhishma vinal padhagatha nammudaiya podada inda padai adhe samayam bhima vinal padhagatha podiya avargalin padai saying drona's own disciples are fighting against him and implying his army side is smaller and the pandavas have many more great chariot leaders Duryodhana is giving a psychological pressure to Drona to bring out all his techniques to win the war. He next gives a command to his entire army to protect Bhishma at all cost by saying yathabhagama vastitaha previnarku erpanindru. He commands that everyone stay in their assigned position in the vyuha the battle formation. that is stay in their assigned position in the fighting formation and fight accordingly as well as stay and follow the hierarchical command structure in the army the first is important to implement both offensive and defensive strategies the second is important to avoid 
chaos and confusion. Sanjaya continues the description. Upon hearing Duryodhana giving the command to the entire army, as commander-in-chief of the Kaurava side, Bhishma blows his conch declaring that he is ready to start the war. Seeing the commander-in-chief signaling his readiness, the cheerleaders on the sides starts making sounds with conches, bugles and kettle drums, tabors, drums and cow horns. The sound blared forth quite suddenly and the sound was loud and deafening. This signal from the Kaurava side brings in our heroes to the stage. Arjuna and Krishna situated in a magnificent chariot yoked with white horses arrive at the scene. Following Bhishma, Krishna blows his conch named Panchajanya. Arjuna follows Krishna and blows his conch Devadattam. Bhima follows with his conch Poundram. Following him, Yudhishthira blows the Ananta Vijayam. Nagula and Sagadeva blew their conches named Sugosha and Manipushpaka. One by one, various leaders on the Pandava side start blowing their conches. On the Pandava side, Krishna blowing the conch first gives the indication that he is going to be the de facto commander-in-chief for their side, even though Drishtadyumna was the official commander-in-chief. This was proven throughout the 18 days of war. Now, the sound from both sides starts bouncing back and forth between the sky and the earth, making a huge thunderous sound. While the sound emanating from the Kaurava side was loud and deafening, Sanjaya says the sound coming from the Pandava side shatters the hearts of Dhridharashtra's side. Hanuman is flying as the ensign on top of Arjuna's magnificent chariot. On seeing the army of Duryodhana ready to start the war, Arjuna gives a command to his charioteer Krishna. Senayorubayor madhye radham stapaya mechuta. Irupadai nadve niruthi en radhatai achuda. O achuda, park my chariot in between the two armies. After giving that command, he also gives the reason for his command. Also, he indicates how long to park the chariot in that place. Just before the start of the war, till I may see those who all are standing here desirous of fighting and with whom all must I fight this war. Durbutti Dhridharashtra Mahani Poril Tripti Saya Virumbi Por Puriyavana Inge Kudiyavar Yar Ivargalai Nan Gavanikha For me to observe those who are assembled here for the fight, wishing to please in battle the evil-minded son of Dhridharashtra. Please note that while giving the command, Arjuna did not say our chariot. Instead, he said my chariot. Krishna notices the arrogance in his words as well as his posture. But as commanded by the boss of the chariot, he parks the chariot in between the two armies. When Arjuna asked his charioteer to take the chariot closer to his enemy side, Krishna purposely drove the chariot across the field probably in a diagonal path and parked in no man's land right between the two armies but not far away from Bhishma and Drona and asked Arjuna to take a close look at the Kurus who have assembled there. By his act of moving closer to them across the field in a diagonal path at a slow and steady pace, Krishna accomplished two things. First, he indicated to the opposing army that he is not approaching them to fight and there is no need for them to start firing their arrows at him. Second, 
he found a spot from where arjuna could clearly see bhishma and drona he purposely avoided stationing the chariot opposite to duryodhana this first chapter has 47 verses sanjaya right in the middle of the chapter in verse 24 says as commanded by arjuna rishikesha parks the best of the chariots in between the two armies eva mukto rishikesho gudakeshena bharatam senayor ubayor madhye sthapayitva ratottamam bharada ipudi gudakesan kuriyapin rishikesha iru padai naduve siranda radathai niruthi this is such a simple verse and yet so elegant and beautiful for the image and symbolism it portrays in this verse all the four speakers are named sanjaya rishikesha gudakesha referring to arjuna and bharata referring to dhritarashtra more about this verse in chapter 1 appreciation episode standing majestically with the kandiba bow in hand arjuna now makes a survey of the enemy's army tatra pashyastitan parthah pritarnata pitamahan acharyan matulan bratran putran pautran sakimstatam swasuran sugurdaschaiva சேனையோருபையோரபி அங்கே நிற்பவர்களை பார்த்தான் பார்த்தா தந்தைகள் மற்றும் தாத்தாக்கள் ஆசிரியர்கள் மாமன்கள் சகோதரர்கள் மகன்கள் பேரன்கள் கூட நண்பர்கள் மாமனார்கள் மற்றும் நல்லெண்ணோர் இருபடையிலும் கூடி தேர் இன் போத் ஆர்மீஸ் ஹீசா ஃபாதர்ஸ் அண்ட் கிராண்ட்ஃபாதர்ஸ் டீச்சர்ஸ் மெட்டர்னல் அங்கிள்ஸ் பிரதர்ஸ் சன்ஸ் கிராண்ட்சன்ஸ் அண்ட் ஃப்ரெண்ட்ஸ் fathers in law and well wishers assembled together sanjay is now ready to hand over the mic to arjuna he describes the state of arjuna as tan samikshayasa kaunteyah sarvan bandun avasthitan kripaya paraya vishtah vishidan idam abravit anivahuthu nindra anaitu sutrathar idai paarthavin kaunteyam ஆழமான இரக்கத்தில் வருத்தத்துடன் இவ்வாறு கூறுகிறான் தி சன் ஆஃப் குந்தி அப்பான் சீயிங் ஆல் இஸ் கின்ஸ்மேன் தஸ் ஸ்டாண்டிங் அரேட் ஸ்போக் தீஸ் வேர்ட்ஸ் ஃபில்ட் வித் சேட்னஸ் அண்ட் டீப் பிட்டி பிஃபோர் அர்ஜுனா ஸ்போக் ஹவு டிட் சஞ்சயா நோ தட் அர்ஜுனாஸ் வேர்ட்ஸ் ஆர் ஃபில்ட் வித் சேட்னஸ் அண்ட் டீப் பிட்டி ஐ ஹாவ் ஆல்ரெடி எக்ஸ்பிளைன் தட் இட் வாஸ் வித் த பவர் வியாசா கேவ் டு சஞ்சயா ஹீ இஸ் நேரேட்டிங் வாட் ஹேப்பன் இன் த பேட்டில் ஃபீல்ட் டு திருதராஷ்டிரா after the fall of bhishma on the 10th day arjuna expresses the state of his body in two verses the first thing he notices was that his own body is now rebelling against him going into an opposing mode his limbs are failing and his mouth is dry his body shakes and the hairs are standing on its end the gandipam bow is slipping from his hand and his skin is burning all over he is unable to stand and his mind is also going round and round arjuna did not fully understand what was going on in his body he has not fully come to the conclusion that he wants to go against his ordained duties to ensure that his charioteer krishna does not misunderstand him he says i see adverse omens as though nature is forcing him to take a stand against his duties next he starts intellectualizing why he does not want to fight nor do i see any good from killing my people in the battle he then starts giving one by one many reasons why this gurukshetra war is a bad idea 
and why it will not be a dharmakshetra if the war was fought he takes up almost the entire second half of the chapter from verse 31 to verse 46 to explain his point of view during this long monologue of arjuna krishna does not interfere at all he is just sitting there with the reins of the horses in his hand and watching the drama arjuna is playing out i will classify arjuna's reasons for not wanting to fight into the following eight categories first is occurrence of supernatural event i see bad omens arjuna is probably seeing flesh eating vultures and crows circling above the battlefield anticipating a big food party second is that he does not want to kill his own kinsman death of kinsman is an issue for him nor do i see any good from killing my kinsman in the battle these i do not wish to kill even if killed by them killing the sons of dhritarashtra what pleasure can be ours how can we be happy by killing our own people third he declares that he has no personal desires i desire not victory nor kingdom nor pleasures for whose sake we desire kingdom enjoyments and pleasures fourth the war leads to incurring sin sin alone will be our gain by killing these felons they do not see sin in the treachery and cruelty to friends why should not we learn to turn away from the sin in the destruction of the family units alas we are prepared to commit a great sin for the pleasures of the kingdom fifth the war throws the killer and the families of dead soldiers into hell admikshara varnas leads the slayers of the family to hell for unknown period of time men whose families religious rights have been destroyed dwell in hell sixth people need to have moral values in life he has a much higher standard than duryodhana he does not have greed whereas duryodhana is greedy these i do not wish to kill even if killed by them their intelligence is clouded by greed goaded by greed for the pleasures of kingdom seventh he has concern for the society going against the scriptures in the destruction of a family the religious rights perish impiety sets in because of the destruction of the sacred rights there will be mixing of varnas destroying eternal religious rights finally the eighth reasoning is his concern for already departed souls four fathers will be denied pinda and water and because of that they will fall into lower worlds thus he argued from his personal point of view of not wanting the wealth of the kingdom and ruling over other worlds he argued in support of not killing his relatives in the battlefield argued from the perspective of the corruption that can occur to the culture and tradition followed in the society argued about the destruction of society leaving orphans and dilution of family values and argued for the departed souls considering all these and not wanting to incur sin arjuna realizes that he does not want to fight having expressed all these reasons loudly he is now convinced that fighting is not the right thing to do disgusted with his difficult situation and not able to bear the enormity of what is going to happen he throws his kandibam bow and his divine arrows onto the ground saying even if the sons of dhritarashtra weapons in hand kill me unresisting and unarmed in the battlefield that would be better for me sanjaya takes the mic from arjuna 
and closes the chapter saying, Thus having spoken, Arjuna sat down on the seat of the chariot, casting away his bow and arrows in the battlefield with a mind overwhelmed with sorrow. The chapter ends here. Other than the sound of his crying, there is silence in the chariot. Even the chariot horses are not neighing. Krishna who is holding the reins of his horses was looking up at Arjuna and listening to everything Arjuna has to say. He is also silent. Who will break this silence? That we will see in chapter 2 episode. At the end of each chapter, I will give you a few appreciative points about that chapter. This will include going deeper into some of the verses, additional information that may help to understand, related stories, literary beauty and more. First appreciation of chapter 1. It is how Arjuna's state of mind has been portrayed beautifully using his own bow and arrows. First Arjuna took up his bow and asked Krishna to place the chariot in between the two armies to see who dared to fight him. There he was standing tall, strong, confident and courageous. Next, when he saw his kinsmen among the enemies, the bow started slipping from his hands and his limbs started shaking. Yet, he did not allow the bow to slip away from his hands. Though shaken up, he was still standing, holding the bow and was able to give many slippery reasons for not wanting to fight. Finally, in a confused and saddened state, he consciously throws his bow and arrows onto the ground, saying it is fine with him even if he is killed when unarmed and unresisting. Arjuna's arguments all seem to be passionate and at the same time logical. Who will not agree with his arguments that war brings so many problems to society? We see that in modern times, during World War II, the Vietnam War and so many subsequent wars fought all over the world as recently as the war that is going on in Ukraine. Arjuna was even arguing for people who have departed from this world. How much more compassionate can one be for others? How can one argue against such powerful, systematic, logical arguments Arjuna has placed before his charioteer? He was hoping that his charioteer would agree with him and walk out. I mean, drive out of the battlefield with Arjuna. But Krishna does not see the situation in the same way because One who sees the full picture, only that person sees completely. More appreciation will continue in the next episode. Until then, this is Ravi Ranganathan bidding goodbye. Bhagavad Gita, Yaha Pashyati Sapashyati, 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 Yaha Pashyati